0: First up, feels like just yesterday that I was deep into the global Panera, wanting to cry, and texted you that we should do, I remember exactly where I was, I was on my bathroom floor painting my nails, and I was like, what if we did a 90s podcast, Sarah?
1: (laughs) I was like deep in a depression hole and not knowing how to get out, and you texted me, and my face smiled for the first time in months, and I was just like a light light This this is going to be amazing
0: such a treat that we're finally getting this out to the people um just so everybody has context we we have about seven or eight of these in the can already and we are so excited to share them all with you but this first episode i think was probably one of my favorite episodes to listen back to because Um, (laughs) you'll see, but we really set the tone for the rest of the series with this. We have some very strong opinions about the show we are covering, Harriet the Spy. Yeah.
1: And we, we didn't really have a very clear structure to how we wanted to do shows. I mean, we still don't. Um, but I think our deep dives on all of the characters and just how this impacted our life when we were children and still today, it's just, it was so much fun to listen back to.
0: Yeah, and I am so excited to cover so much more films like this. If um, I was going to say, if this is your first episode, of course this is our your first episode you're listening to. It's our only episode that we've released thus far. Um, but please let us know what films and movies and TV shows and franchises and things that you want us to cover on this show. Because, oh my goodness, it's been such a delight and a treat to not only revisit some of these old school ones, but introduce each other to some of these new films that we haven't seen before and um there is no guest on this episode. We we figured the best way to start this out was just just the two of us and yeah, what a what a great one to start on.
1: It really it really is. And yeah, if you have any suggestions, you can Find us on all the socials, salute your squirts, because we also want to hear how these movies and shows impacted you growing up.
0: And please do not forget to like, subscribe, rate our podcast. Um, We love to hear all of your amazing feedback. And please follow us on social media.
1: Share it with your friends.
0: Yeah. We we want it to be a big slumber party where all of our friends are invited, but we go home early because we're anxious and we don't want to spend that much time away from our mom.
1: And also, you can just be with your headphones on in your own house and not actually have to get ready or clean your house for people to come over. It's the best summer parties.
0: Podcasts are better than sleepovers. Like, <laughs> truly. <laughs> well, shall we just get into it? I think... Uh, let's get it started. Let's play a little bit of that intro music, which, oh my gosh, what a slapper. Thank you, Maddie McGuire, for the great intro music. And we'll let you and me take it away. I have a very controversial question that I want to start out this podcast with. Okay. Okay. Do you, did you like her? <laughs> oh, my God. Time. She's so mean. She's awful. I, I have. <laughs> she's so mean all throughout my notes. She's a terrible person. And, oh, my God. I'm so glad that you said that because I was like, if we do this podcast and Sarah's like, actually, I, like, really identified with her. I'm going to be like, you are not a good person and we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Because this child is terrible. Like, I had a lot of, like, I, what?
1: <laughs> but also, her parents are horrible. Okay, yes. And I know that, like, Golly raised her. Yes. But, like, I have notes at, like, the very end when she's, like, learning all of her lessons. And I'm like, well, yes, but no. So we can get to that at the very end. But, no, she's a horrible human.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing. And, like... I was thinking about this. There was sort of this era of precocious children. Like Alice in Wonderland was kind of rude. Like when you watch it back, she's not very nice to anyone. She's just kind of demanding everything. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of other kind of pop culture, you know, even Darla Dimple from Cats, but she was evil. So, like, you know, eliminate that one. But well, you know, I think,
1: I think especially in this era I think that there was like perhaps a desire to show young girls as strong and I think they went a little too far but I think that was part of it was like they're not just meek like they don't they're not just pushovers like they can be bullies they can be like you know strong whatever have opinions but definitely was pushed a little too far on a lot of these
0: I guess Thinking about it, even just as you said that, picturing her and her yellow jacket and her big boots, she's kind of a female Dennis the Menace. Kind of. Like, she's just kind of a bratty little girl, and she's kind of privileged. She comes from privilege, and but doesn't have a Super great home life. Did you see that house? Oh, my God. That's, like, my first note that I wrote. I was like, this house, this mm-hmm. house. Well, okay. Actually, mm-hmm. the first note that I wrote, which... I'm so glad that you answered that question correctly. This child is awful. But there was, I looked at the Wikipedia and there's a very interesting quote here that I read before I watched the film and I'm glad that I did. So I don't think this is a spoiler. Barbara Schulgasser, the San Francisco examiner, dismissed the film, describing the protagonist as, quote, the kind of kid I'm not looking forward to meeting as a (laughs) grown-up." dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I think yes like absolutely i 100 percent agree with that i mean i i have met this i know these girls i've worked with these girls i've done musical theater with these girls I, <laughs> like these these women who grow up with a very privileged view like they exist in the world and they and they have access to therapists we'll get to that i mean who to think that that's amazing i mean
1: chloe <laughs> she is like literally an influencer right like yes oh i i didn't realize that i was doing bad things let me apologize but not actually be you know sorry um
0: harriet spy walked so kylie jenner could run honestly like she was the original (laughs) like oh my god like did i offend you like yeah you're being terrible shut up (laughs) oh my
1: gosh oh my gosh okay yes
0: agreed Like, and if you don't agree,
1: then maybe you shouldn't listen to the rest of this podcast. Um, And there's a little bit
0: more to the quote. It says, while the well-loved novel was apparently about the admirable battle a kid must wage in order to become an artist in the face of pure disapproval, the movie seems to be about a mean-spirited tyke who has no scruples. If that kind of person wants to become an artist, it's okay by me, but I don't have to root for her. A (laughs) hundred percent. Barbara Schulgassler of the San Francisco Examiner. Thank you. I I agree with that so much. Um, It was really hard to watch. And it kind of reminded me, I don't, okay, we'll obviously get to this film eventually in in this series. But Princess Diaries, I remember seeing that movie and being like, I want to live in San Francisco in an apartment with like a curly staircase. But I'm like, who are these artists? Because I lived with two artists. Like, my parents were both artists. I'm like, who can afford these homes? <laughs> like, And I couldn't tell, correct me if I'm wrong, but did it sound like the parents were script writers? Or like, they must have, they were having an argument at some point in the film, and it's like, that was one of the best scripts we have ever seen. And I was like, what? <laughs> can I just say that, like, if they could afford that house, which... I think in the wikipedia i read it was supposed to take place in new york but they filmed it in toronto but they didn't like they tried to make it sort of you know what, what's the word i'm looking for kind of evergreen that it could be any town usa um but if that's new york oh my gosh that apartment like what they must have that's steven spielberg her dad I mean, steven spielberg
1: <laughs> literally the fact that she had a live-in full-time nanny for 11 years let me tell you i had a full-time nanny for Ayla for two years, she was not living
0: and it is not cheap. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even Bill Hader can't afford a living nanny. Like Darcy Carden was Bill Hader's nanny. Let's think about the money, the money, yeah. That as an adult, I think has been the hardest part of watching these back. I recently saw ghost and I was like, Demi Moore is a pottery artist and she can afford this flat in New York. No, 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 no. It's like the best part of turning 30. You're just like, I know how much these houses cost. You can't afford that
1: (laughs) seriously. But but when Gully said a high pressure job is when you don't get to do what you want and when you do, you don't have time. And that one like almost brought me to tears.
0: Whoa, oh my gosh. Wait, say it again, say it again.
1: When you don't get to do what you want and when
0: you do, you don't have time. Oh my gosh. That's like, that's very deep. That must be from the book. That's gotta be from the book, right? I feel like
1: all of Gully's like words were pretty much like beautifully written though. I have a lot of like Gully quotes throughout here.
0: It was very interesting, and this is a great segue because my my first note literally is all caps, the peak of Rosie O'Donnell. We're talking like for any young people listening to understand, let's set the scene here. This is 1996. So this is peak Rosie O'Donnell show, which ran, I think like six or seven seasons, um, I'm obsessed with the Rosie O'Donnell show and I don't think I realized how obsessed I was with it until I recently rewatched an episode with Megan Mullally on it. Um, How much do you know about Rosie O'Donnell, Sarah? A lot? A little? Okay.
1: I don't know a ton. All I know is that I loved her in this film. She wrote my favorite book of all time, which was kids are funny. And it was literally just a joke book and she did not write it. She just compiled it um and i knew that i loved her but i i just knew that i loved her that was it
0: that's all I okay to know. i'm gonna hit you with some pop culture references to understand we where we are at in rosie o'donnell's career at this point so rosie o'donnell was all over the place during this time like i remember she was in like the flintstones movies. she like had a rosie o'donnell like tv show that was amazing and in new york and it was live this was like the era of live tv shows she had these freaking koosh balls that she would shoot into the audience as a child i was like who is this woman she is so cool now this is our first episode that we're recording so people don't have context yet but i come from a family of a director playwright and a costume designer so very much involved in the performing arts and i later would as i came into adulthood would realize I gravitated towards a lot of queer people in these spaces, especially like gay men. I was like, these guys are so fun! Like, I love hanging out with them, and like, especially like lesbians as well. Working who would work in the shop or in the costume shop or wherever around the theater, because the performing arts is just full of like misfits and queer people, and like it it brings so many broken, wonderful, sad, humorous people together. Um, and I, this era was really really interesting for like LGBT. Kind of outward transparency. So, um, a dear friend of ours, Ari Gross, uh, who's an actor who's worked with my dad, you know, I've known him my whole life, was on The Ellen Show, which, not for the kids out there, not the Ellen DeGeneres TV show, but the like 90s sitcom The Ellen Show, which was one of the first shows to ever have someone come out on TV because when they gave Ellen that show, it was it's kind of like Seinfeld. It was basically just Seinfeld with Ellen. And everyone's like, there's something weird and quirky about this girl. And it's like, "Surprise, I'm a lesbian. And that was huge back then, huge, huge, huge. So I don't know if you remember this, Sarah, but were you a Blockbuster kid? Did you go to like Blockbuster and Hollywood video? A
1: thousand percent, yes.
0: Okay. Do you remember this one, Rosie O'Donnell? I remember, okay, so I was, I grew up in the performing arts, so I saw, a lot of, I saw Death of a Salesman when I was four, so nothing surprises me, but I remember being so blown away because Rosie O'Donnell was all over Nickelodeon television screens and everything. Like she hosted the Kids' Choice Awards like every year for like 10 years, I want to say. Um, she was very much in our faces all the time, but she was in this like black, like dominatrix outfit on a VHS. Oh my gosh. What is this movie? It's like Rosie O'Donnell. Dominatrix movie. People are like yelling at me right now. Um, Exit to Eden, I want to say. Or no. It's like basically she's in this really sexy outfit on the cover, and she's got like a whip and stuff. And she is in this like slave Leia type, like Dominatrix black studded outfit. And I remember being so embarrassed, Sarah, because I was like, this is too sexy. I'm not supposed to see this. This is this is Rosie O'Donnell. Help me. And this is like during all of this oh my gosh when did this movie come out this was in 94 and it was like very unsettling to me as a young I would have been four or five right I was like my eyes (laughs) but this was huge because like she came out around that same time that Ellen did and it was like a huge time for just like people were finally I mean up until this point You know, Liberace never came out as gay. Like there were these people in pop culture who, especially lesbians. Like there were no lesbians in pop culture at all. And uh, so, yeah, that's my fun fact. Is Rosie O'Donnell was the first like famous lesbian, really, that I really had in my cultural awareness, um, other than Ellen, really. Like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so that's big and I thought that was really really cool and actually it's so funny Sarah I thought like I hadn't seen this movie since I was a child I think the last time I saw it was in theaters but I had so many vivid vivid visuals from this as I'm sure you did too but I kept thinking about when she went into that recycled junkyard area uh where she's like this is my friend's place with yes. all this recycled stuff yes. I was like oh that's her lover like that yes. was my immediate thought. <laughs> no a th- I,
1: that's in my notes that is in my notes and i also have in my notes that like george is definitely not her lover like no, no, they no, no, are no. besties they yes. love each other like but they are not
0: lovers <laughs> i got a vibe i was like i swear i almost paused it like i thought that yes. Donald went in to kiss her and i was like oh and I was like, oh, this is what I thought. And I was a like, no. Percent. I had painted this picture in my head that they fired her because they, like, found out she was a lesbian. I don't know. Weird. Weird, weird, weird So, she that
1: I didn't had. actually come out until 2002. Except I feel like I knew that she was,
0: like, I was, okay. I didn't. I have context. I think I have context. <laughs> so... <laughs> You may have, and I'm so glad that you brought this up because I cannot believe that I left this out of what I, on my Rosie O'Donnell coverage. So Rosie O'Donnell was in. There was a Broadway revival of Grease, and you have to understand that Grease the musical. Okay, this is like Chloe's expertise here. Grease the musical is has changed so much over time. The original Broadway cast like the original cast album, if you listen to it, it's actually really raunchy and talks about like gonorrhea and stuff. It's very kind of like seedy and not the cutesy sparkly thing that you see in the movie. The movies, it's whole other thing, but this Broadway revival, it was absolutely insane. Like, I I mean, I love it. Like think about that era uh, in the nineties where like Disney celebrated their, what was it? 50th anniversary with the pink castle and stuff. It was all, everything was hot pink, like everything in this, production of Grease was hot pink it's an amazing cast recording listen to it Billy Porter it's a black teen angel and he sings a gospel version of Beauty School Dropout honestly an iconic show but Rosie O'Donnell played who do you think she played like if you had to guess in Grease
1: I feel like she could have played Rizzo she was
0: Rizzo but here's the thing girl Rosie O'Donnell okay she can't sing (laughs) So she could stunt cast. This was like the beginning of an era of Broadway where celebrity casting was starting to happen. And they're like, you know what? We're going to turn uh, your songs into just kind of spoken word. And we'll just have you kind of Ethel Merman belt it and go out there. And they sold tickets. Rosie O'Donnell famously hated doing this show. She was an improv stand-up comedian. Most of her comedy work was crowd work. So she'd be like, oh, hey, Sarah, how are you doing today? Oh, is this your date? Like, and she hated doing Grease. And maybe one of the reasons that you knew this about her, that she was out, was during that production of Grease, she, in the VH1 behind the music, I don't know why there's a VH1 behind the music of Rosie O'Donnell don't ask me why um but she talks about like having a, a a relationship with the woman who played patty simcox in the broadway uh production of this so that's some broadway history for you um rosie o'donnell also was in seussical the musical just another fun fact <laughs>
1: amazing. amazing she loves broadway so, okay, and she I... that
0: was something that i loved about her she always showed broadway shows on the rosie o'donnell show and like other than the thanksgiving day parade for young people out there. We didn't have YouTube. So the only way to see like Broadway performances was just like bro- watch the Rosie O'Donnell show or wake up really early and watch the Thanksgiving day parade. So shout out to Rosie O'Donnell for keeping Broadway alive.
1: I feel like, okay, so I just saw this TikTok recently that was saying something about, um, by the way, this is our first episode and I am TikTok obsessed. So for anyone, <laughs> this is true. Sarah sends always me so many
0: TikToks <laughs> and I Honestly, so does Scott Hanselman and just shout out to everyone who's patient with me while here's the thing. I think during the course of the show, I'm going to download TikTok. Like I've been opposed to it, but I want it. I want it, but I, I can't justify the, the security, but you know what? Everyone's doing it. Take my data. Just take my data, everyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But there was this TikTok and it was about, um, somebody said something to the effect of, of she is pretty in a way that women would appreciate or she's beautiful in a whim, in a way that women would appreciate and then someone else was like yes this is actually like a thing where there are women who are beautiful to other women because the way that women are often attracted to women is different than the way that men are and so she's not she is not trying to be beautiful for the attraction of a man and rather just in it of herself. And I feel like that resonates with me with Rosie O'Donnell particularly in this film and but also throughout her career is that I saw her as this confident woman who was beautiful but not beautiful in the way that I was being pushed was beautiful because what I was being pushed was beautiful was from a man's gaze and she was beautiful and strong and amazing and funny and just herself. And I feel like that's how I knew that she wasn't straight because she didn't care what the men thought. Like, I'm totally putting this on her. This may not actually be true, but that's how I feel like I knew because she (laughs) was just- No, I think
0: that's so true.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: She was so authentically herself. And I think like, I almost love the purity of me not knowing what a gay person was at, like, five or six and watching this and just yeah. being like, there's something cool about that girl, you know? like yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. just something about it. And it's so true. She had, like, think about, also, like, Whoopi Goldberg, I think, as well. Like, these women who just, like, you're drawn to their power. Like, Whoopi Goldberg is fucking beautiful in Sister Act. Like, she is an amazing, I just watched Ghost for the first time. Oh, my God. Whoopi Goldberg for president, honestly. um. But Whoopi Goldberg is afraid to fly on planes. That's a whole other episode. That's when we get to Lion King. Um, But she had this like powerful strongness. Like she's so funny. Like both Rosie O'Donnell and Whoopi Goldberg and Ellen are all very, well, Ellen is problematic nowadays, but (laughs) all very funny, wonderful, like strong women, which we did not have. Like And they were,
1: they were, you know, I think, I think a lot of the comedian, like the, the women who are comedians today, I also love them, but oftentimes resort to caricatures because of society, in my opinion. And that doesn't mean that they're bad. Like they are still amazing comedians. Um, But I felt like Whoopi Goldberg, I felt like, you know, Rosie O'Donnell, I felt like they were just so simply authentic and that was something that especially in films or in like famous people i feel like people were either broken or like <laughs> trying really hard and i felt like they obviously they they've likely been through a lot and they've they've had to try a lot like not taking that away from them but they they were them
0: all three of those women came up through stand up comedy and it was a man's game like this is the era of Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David, like if you, I highly, highly recommend, oh my God, I say this on every show that I'm on, but I'm so obsessed with her. Nell Caval wrote a book called Just the Funny Parts. And it's about her journey as a female comedy writer in Hollywood. And there's so many parallels to being a woman in tech. I could go on and on and on. But I think about, you know, these stories that she tells in that book about like people being like, oh, you're funny, but you're like, cool. You're not like, you know, it was all, it's all, and even talking to like female comedians today, like a lot of it is, you know, there's a lot of harassment. There's a lot of like, Hey, you either have to be sexy or not. That's the whole thing with um Amy Schumer, right? Is like, she so much pushes out of that box, like the unconventional beauties, like, and, and having to open people like Kate McKinnon out there. Like it's so, I think that like comedy in general has always been like women aren't funny like women you know to get up in this world like they have to be one of the guys and I think they probably were able to kind of like see through a lot of the bullshit of the industry because of like just being like I am not interested in any of this and being able to just fight your way through I mean I've been backstage at comedy shows it is rough (laughs) it's not a fun place to be um I loved but I, I loved her in this. She was so wonderful.
1: She was. Okay, you said that that book and, and being a, a a woman in comedy is like being a woman in tech. And I want to say, so at the very beginning of this film, total segue and, and, and change of topic somewhat, but at the very beginning of this film, um, Harriet the Spy, which by the way, did we even say that that's the film that we're talking I about? I mean, I feel but- like they've
0: read the title. <laughs> I assumed it was just right. as a cold
1: open. <laughs> Or this whole
0: and we're just like cold open, <laughs> cold open. There's sure, a song that's it.
1: Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at the very beginning, she says that goalie says that if she, that if she wants to be a writer, she has to write down what she sees, and that's why she's a spy. And so then that made me think, okay, if you want to do any job, pick one skill from that job. And then that would result in you needing to be a spy right now to develop that skill. So for example, you want to be a programmer. Well, you need to be able to find bugs. So we better be a spy as children and find those bugs so that you can be a go. You want to, you want to be a teacher? Well, you need to be able to like coerce people without them realizing it to do what you want them to do. Like 30 humans, like, okay, great. So you better be a spy right
0: now. Like, honestly, do you remember watching this movie and like, because she's like, write down what you see. And I remember being like, oh my god, mom, give me a freaking notebook. Like, I need a composition notebook yesterday. And like, getting one. And like, for not even a day, 10 minutes, just being like, a leaf on the ground. And then like, closing the notebook and like, never writing anything again. Because I'm, I'm like, pretty positive that me and my BFF, Ali Moreno, did that. Like, I, I'm going to say that, that there's a solid chance that happened. <laughs> okay, first of
1: all, let me just... I'll have to put this on our socials. Can you see how many notebooks I have here?
0: Oh, my goodness. I'm so jealous. I, like, I get too embarrassed.
1: No. Chloe. Chloe. <laughs> they each have one page. In them. <laughs> I was like, girl, you write so much. Heck no. The thing that I took away from this movie was I need to get a tattoo with a friend and, like, stick my feet with my friend's foot and, yeah. like, we okay. share
0: ink. <laughs> I'm sure your brain went here too. And this is inevitably going to come up in this series. So we got to talk about it. I'm thinking of this era of Nickelodeon and I saw feet and I was like, oh no, Dan Schneider. My, my little antennas went up I and know. I was like, oh no. And I was like, you know what? This was probably in the book. It was probably in the book. I was like, I'm just going to choose to believe that Dan Schneider famously, y'all, okay, you can do your but, own Googling, but, but Dan Schneider is I, I'm a friend of the that pot. wasn't. I don't think it was. I was,
1: I'm going to say that it wasn't because, and I have this in my notes. I, okay, first of all, let me just say, I think this movie, especially for a Nickelodeon movie, a kids movie, whatever qualifications you want to put, was so well done. Like the characters were amazing. The editing was just gorgeous. And there was this one scene, well, two scenes, where she had like made the tattoo on her foot and then she was taking a bath, which the Foley sounds of that bath like, I have it, like, 50 times in my notes. I'm obsessed. But, like, she was taking a bath at the beginning, and she was trying to keep her foot out of the bath so that the tattoo wouldn't go away. And then towards, like, the end of the film, when she was, like, in a fight with all of her friends, she was actively trying to scrub it off in the bath so that it would go away. So that's what makes me think it has nothing to do with he who must not be named, but rather it it totally has an actual plot point. And I loved that plot point because it was so subtle, but you felt it right like because remember as a kid like you'd get a temporary tattoo and you're like i can never wash this like never but then like you know if for some reason people were like well barney sucks you're like well i better wash this tattoo off not that that's a personal story
0: yeah you better not hope it's a henna tattoo from venice beach or girl i'm gonna have that for a while yeah i speaking of foley um first note that i have after just like Literally, first three notes are like, peak Rosie O'Donnell, and then, honestly, the power of a composition notebook. Um, But I love a film. It's like a classic Nickelodeon. My first thought was, how classic of a Nickelodeon film to open with a man falling into a pile of chickens? Like, the Foley in this movie, y'all. So good. (laughs) Classic Nickelodeon shenanigans also though i have
1: this like strong reaction to when films waste food and i think it's because i grew up like needing to share a happy meal with my mom because we didn't have the money for anything else but like anytime films had like a food fight or like they just destroyed that whole market worth of food like honestly i wanted to participate i thought that it was funny but it literally hurt me and it still does like every single
0: time they do that i'm like why? Why? I also need to know did they catch him? Did they catch this robber? I need like to know what happened. Um I don't know, but she
1: she was literally watching him like pull the wallet out of the woman's bag and then walk away and then Harriet and I wrote this down in quotes. Like she wrote, "Man with a wallet."
0: Like you watched <laughs> him pull it out. <laughs> like
1: you Why did my like go
0: I was like, "Oh, her journal is gonna end up being evidence for the case. Like, why is that where my brain went?" I was like, "Surely, like, why are you writing this, ma'am? Um, right? Pay attention <laughs> to what you're doing." Um, Speed of the blood, oh. blood buddies, uh, feet toe yeah. thing. Not Dan Schneider related, That's y'all. True. If you don't know what we're talking about with Dan Schneider, we highly recommend checking out Sloane's videos on YouTube. You can do your own research oh on my that. Gosh. Just, there's a lot of info out there but we we it's a lot we love Nickelodeon we can't support Grant Schneider um but I wrote in I wrote representation which like could have done without a white dude as as sport but I loved 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 what is the friend's name Jamie
1: Jeannie Jeannie I loved this because my my best friend throughout all of elementary school was black. And I watched this film and a little princess, which happens to be the same actress. Yes. Oh my way. gosh. The that's he where plays, I recognized her. Um, yes. Yes. And in a little, in a little princess, uh, the main white girl, her name is Sarah. And both of these films, all I could think of was me and my best friend Chanel because her and I were just besties, and I was like, Oh my god, I keep seeing us in all these films. Yes. And like, oh also my God, Jean- and you look like freaking
0: scientists. Yes. Oh my god, <laughs> I literally wrote, I got so upset, Sarah, every freaking time that, because Harriet, I was like, I hate Harriet. Like, she legitimately made her drop stem cells on the ground. Like, this woman is trying to clone her own DNA. How dare you disrupt her work? Harriet needs to go to jail. I do not like this child. I do not... I would not stand for this. Um, But also...
1: Like Jeannie using her mom's ginormous bra to do like a mold spore experiment was like goals. Like she is just an amazing human and her mom is amazing. And I was just like, that is, you are, you are my people. I love
0: you. (laughs) So kind of on the topic of the kids in this film because like the kids are the true star of this film Rosie O'Donnell is great but the real stars and I think that was such a big deal too right like remember seeing production like I remember seeing a production of Annie and being like those are kids on the stage and like when you see a kid on TV that's huge as a kid like seeing other kids is huge for kids in general (laughs) Um, but what I thought was really kind of like cool was this quote that I found I think this is a quote that I found on Michelle Trachtenberg's Wikipedia Um, and it said it's, and it's about the director um, and it said uh, when, Bronwyn would direct us. If we were walking, she's like, okay, you got to bop bop this way and then bop bop this way. She was always dancing. I don't remember her not dancing on set and music was always playing. It was very cool in terms of performance art. She was pretty ahead of her time. It was a, also a great way to direct children. It was a great way to keep things alive. And I freaking love that. Like segueing from the Dan Schneider nonsense of, you know, abuse in Hollywood of children. This sounds like The most wonderful, warm set. Like, what a dream for Michelle Trachtenberg at this time, I'm sure. Like, this is peak Michelle Trachtenberg as well. Pete and Pete and Clarissa and all of that. Oh, a
1: hundred percent. I, I had this in my notes that the kids were able to be kids and it, and it came across in the film so well. Like, yes, they were a little bit stereotypes of certain, you know, characters, but at the same time, you could tell that they were kids. And I, like, I remember as a kid feeling that I think that's why, like we chose this as one of our first ones is like, It it, they were kids and like like the whole montage of like what's her name getting boobs over the summer and like the the boy with the purple socks and like pinky and like eating glue and like I just it was just it was just hilarious and they were just kids and like I don't know I just thought it was just amazing
0: (laughs) was I'm looking up what your Matilda was also 1996 which also was like kids there's kids on the screen like that was huge like just classroom scenes were like huge for 1996 like what a year for classrooms on television (laughs) um I honestly just like watching this film and knowing that like because I I was reading that during the film I was like just watching it was such wonder because I was like you know what this film is kooky and quirky and weird also huge year for your like 96 90s in general huge time for recycling just like so much recycling everywhere and like recycled items as other things so like shout out to recycling for this film um but I gotta say girl okay I'm sure you wrote this down too being the president sounds like a freaking burden that I would not want like all of the duties of the president of this school, I was like, this is too much work for one child, let alone one adult.
1: Did you did you ever
0: um have like class government in elementary school? No, not in not in elementary school. I don't think I got that till middle school. We like switched off duties like like, hey, Chloe's on the flag this week and like, you know, Sarah's doing the date on the calendar. But like you had to edit school newspaper you had to like do all of you had to make decisions you're basically the president of the united states for the school
1: (laughs) so my elementary school was kindergarten through 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 eighth grade so it was like k through eight so it was elementary and middle school so we it was kind of middle school but we definitely had like a class government like they were trying it out for the first time and i all i remember is that i i wanted to be treasurer because then I could have a dollar sign A-R-A-H to be like Sarah for treasure, like dollar okay. sign Sarah for treasure. And oh, I just really cute. wanted like to make Kesha. those signs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I love that. But yeah, okay. no, we barely even had like a yearbook, let alone a school newspaper. Like We had one yearbook in seventh grade was the first year that we ever had a yearbook for my my entire school. And my one of my best friend's little brother like did all the drawings for it and like for the for the cover page and it was literally just like printed and stapled together and like passed out at lunch
0: honestly i was just like listening to all the duties of president and i was like you should vote for the kid you don't like to get this because they you're never gonna see them. They're gonna be too busy. Like literally, she's writing articles that are like, my dad and I were on a horse, and <laughs> we loved co-host back riding. Like, when do you have the time? You're doing homework, you're also like making decisions on behalf of the student body, you're like, you're organizing the formal. Like, I I don't want that work. I am a child. Thank you.
1: <laughs> okay. Also, though, speaking of, like, writing articles about riding horses, I feel like the kids in my, like, upper elementary and middle school were way cooler than the quote-unquote cool kids of Harriet school.
0: I will say, and I think I saw a little of this written in, in the Wikipedia, it felt very, it is, the fashion is peak 90s in a lot of ways, but it is sort of, like, in this timeless, like, I feel like if you showed this to Ayla, do you think she would know it was old? Cause like watching it, I was like, honestly, this there's nothing in here except for except for which we'll get to in a little bit, the absence of cell phones. But like, yeah, I didn't notice much. Or technology. the iconic,
1: like the iconic, iconic wide jeans that Harriet wore. Those are like
0: so loved. So many iconic fashion moments that I forgot that I remembered from this film. Like the big red sweatshirt, the like I remember like going to old Navy and like begging my mom for a striped turtleneck at one point because Michelle Trachtenberg wore one. Like truly old Navy was just Michelle Trachtenberg heaven on earth. Um yeah, I mean what a style, what a fashion icon in in this like the whole film. I really. just I
1: just feel like the the cool kids were just so preppy and I guess maybe it's just kind of like the school I went to but we never had any of that like preppy kind why of were the bullies kids? wearing like, school uniforms? our cool kids were like yeah exactly like our cool kids were like
0: cool I don't know how else to say like 90s cool they shopped at limited <laughs> too Sarah they did not shop at the school uniform store that was so confusing I was like okay so I get it you're a prep but like what are you wearing actually why do you have a bib um it was very confusing. I, I had a lot of questions about it. I was like, that is, I think that would be the nerd. Like that, that's where you I think-, think. it's an East Coast thing? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I could see that. Like think about. Because I remember the first
1: time, one of my first internships, I, there was this girl who came and, um, sorry, she was a woman, like we were adults, but she wore like heels every day. And I was like, oh my gosh, why are you wearing heels every day? Like, don't your feet hurt? And she was like, no, I'm from New York. Like we literally wear heels like, this is what I wear. And I was just like, I don't even own a pair. <laughs> I mean. But, like, it might be that.
0: Think about, like, so i i sure we'll get this later, especially with the conclusion of this film. But I got a lot of Hey Arnold vibes from this. Like, so yeah. many hearkenings. Because that's another, like, school-based yeah. show around this era. Um, But again, Hey Arnold was way cooler. No, absolutely. But think about, like, because that was the East Coast. Like, some of them wore uniforms and some didn't, but they all went to the same school. It's very confusing to me. But it does kind of give it a timelessness, I guess. Like, I'll be curious to know when you show Ayla, like, Matilda and Harriet the Spy and she's able to, like, comprehend. I mean, because let's be real, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I feel like watching Harriet the Spy now completely different than when I watched it at age five like I there were lessons in this film that I was like oh my god even though I was not liking Harriet I was like there's some deep things going on here
1: yeah I was almost eight when this movie came out and I feel like I kind of understood a lot of them not all of them obviously but like I like a lot of the things I wrote down now I remember feeling when I was younger like feeling so sad for that cat guy like now I watch it so like when I was a kid I was like okay I kind of understand like it's probably not healthy to have that many cats okay I have 5 animals now <laughs> So I'm like he did not have that many cats He had, like 6 cats it's you not that big with kids.
0: the cat man Sarah <laughs> But like <laughs> oh my god Harrison Withers that's his name
1: but like he had like six cats okay maybe it was like 12 still not that many but he had a huge home no he didn't have any dogs he just had cats but he had what he but he built he built bird cages and the bird cages he built were just gorgeous and I literally wrote that down like the life of just building gorgeous bird cages and just loving your cats all day—that sounds like a magical life. Like I would one hundred percent sign up for that. Like okay. he just looks so happy. Like, I'm learning so them. much about him. you right
0: now. Because oh my god! Like I was like He's just beautiful. He's gonna get worms. Um, no, but I did. I did love the bird cages. I also feel like there's a fancy bird cage in. Uh, little princess as well that I was like obsessed with really fancy bird cages in this time period
1: so see I thought the same thing about him getting worms when I was younger (laughs) but but then when I was watching it now I had that immediate reaction at first and then I really started looking at it and I'm like he really doesn't have that many and you could see how he was like here's here's our process like it wasn't just like yeah yeah you know, feces it everywhere. Wasn't Ray stuff. Gardens. Like,
0: he wasn't like living no. in squalor whatsoever. Uh-uh. And he was able to function. Just let let Harris Withers live. Leave him alone. Right? And then when they took his cats away, I'm sorry, but they took him all of the cats away in a
1: bag. I was angry. I was livid. I was like, this is this is inhumane. When I tell
0: you, I Sarah, angry. I only took one note on Harris Withers, and it was the following: Harris Withers needs to call the HOA for that roof hole what is going on it's new york sir It's gonna freaking snow in there what are you doing patch up your window i also got the idea did you get the idea that like he knew that she was watching him i, I got that feeling at some point in the film maybe later in the film
1: i kind of felt like everyone kind of knew but they were like oh god there's a, like spy girl again
0: i mean like ugh. We'll get to it. But this girl's, like, hanging out in Eartha Kitt's Dumbwaiter. Like, get out of there, girl. (laughs) What? I, I, but,
1: like, all of these amazing adult, like, side characters, I just loved. Like, the old Asian man who was doing cupping in, like, the back part of his shop, I was, like, relatable. Like, (laughs) I need to go schedule an appointment
0: with my acupuncturist. So all I could think of, like, for many of the adult characters in this film, because with the exception of Golly, every adult in this film is very larger than life. Even the parents, to a certain extent, are, like, caricatures of themselves. Even Rosie O'Donnell's, like, fake boyfriend. (laughs) Very weird vibes. But I was thinking in that scene with... Harrison Withers. Oh, I did have two notes about Harrison Withers. So like he scats right? He's like boopa doo boom, boom," like scatting to these cats, scat cat. Um shout out to DJ Scat Cat and Paul of Jewel. Uh, but I was thinking to myself as an actor cuz like my brain goes to really weird places when I watch television because I worked in television for a long time and I've had to go to these really strange auditions where they'll be like hey you're going to be doing a scene with the robot go and you're like I don't know what the robot looks like I don't know if this is a friendly robot and you just have to like go with it and for so many of the adult characters in this film I was like I'm tr- trying to imagine the audition process like can you just scat because he didn't talk in the film like he had no lines other than like pop, and then he was like "Ah, oh, yes cat and i was imagining having read this quote from wikipedia on what it was like to work with the director just what that set must have been like just like hey so you're just gonna come in here and like pretend to make this bird cage and just scat for like 15 minutes okay cool like there's all of the adult characters just had such whimsical it must have been such a fun set to be on
1: it must have been but now that you're saying that it makes me think of and i swear this was also a TikTok, but i'm i'm gonna not reference it because i can't remember but um it was i think it was definitely each adult was just from the the, the like view of Harriet like a child. And so I think Golly being the only quote unquote like normal person that isn't much larger than life, I feel like it's because Golly was the only one who ever treated her like an equal, right? Like listened to her and like really understood her. Whereas everyone else was kind of just this peripheral thing, even her parents, like maybe especially her parents, right? And I think about that a lot when i'm thinking about ayla because i treat her like an equal and yes i have my role as a parent to keep her healthy and happy and so sometimes i have to say no or whatever but she is her own person and so when she's talking to me it's it's like we're we're equals and i feel like that's so if i were an actor i'm not and so i I don't know this experience but i feel like if if the director were to tell me that like you are this character but you are that character through the lens of this child, then it would feel really authentic to kind of play that up.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the brilliance in casting Rosie O'Donnell as this role, because in pop culture, how we knew her was this loud, proud, silly, like kooky lady. And it was honestly not uncomfortable, but like really kind of wonderful and unsettling in a good way to see her in a subdued role where she was just very... You could tell she was working hard, though. You could tell it must have been so hard for her to just be, like, a poised, quiet person when you know – you know the minute those cameras went off, Rosie O'Donnell was like, oh, was that? Like, just – okay, so famously, Sarah, my favorite, like, Broadway behind-the-scenes story is a story I heard Rosie O'Donnell tell one time on a show where when she was playing Rizzo – so you have to imagine – this is a dream cast on Broadway. Megan Mullally from a famously who's played – Karen on Will and Grace was playing Marty and she became really, really good friends with Rosie O'Donnell during this show. And Rosie O'Donnell told the story once where so I'm always really careful, Sarah, when I have a hot mic on. We have hot mics on now, you know, you never know when your microphone is on. And apparently after a song or a curtain call during a Broadway performance of Grease, we're not talking about some regional or community theater, like people have paid like multiple hundreds of dollars to see these shows. The curtain goes down or the lights go out and she goes, well, that sucked. And like, cause Rosie O'Donnell had never done a Broadway show before and she didn't know like the etiquette of like not to like speak on a turn and she was always getting in trouble for like ad lines because she's like it's an improv and they're like no 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 this is broadway like you cannot deter from the script ma'am but i always think of rosie o'donnell would have a hot mic just like well that sucks like it's classic rosie o'donnell that's amazing I my next note that. just says someone please cut sports hair that's it <laughs> yes give this child a haircut
1: yes please. actually actually no no wait, wait 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 i have the perfect quote for you are you ready for this yes um <clears throat> As Sport is like, you know, talking with um, Harriet after she has climbed up to his window by balancing furniture left on the side of the road and literally almost killing herself. And Sport says, I cook, do the dishes and the books. And it broke my heart. Ayla turns to me as we're watching this and says, she can't see because her hair is in front of her eyes. (laughs) Talking about Sport. And I just like, (laughs) I was like. Yes, ma'am. That is, <laughs> oh that is true.
0: <laughs> Wait, we have to introduce a very important character of the show. Ayla is Sarah's yes. daughter. Do you want to tell yes. everybody about Ayla? Sure. So
1: Ayla is currently three years old and she is absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, she just kind of is her own person and says whatever she wants to say. And uh, yeah, apparently she recognized very clearly that... uh, And she misgendered sport. sport. (laughs) Yeah, you know, gender (laughs) is a construct, and... Kayla is still, you know, we talk about it. We talk about it. And she, he, they, you know, depends on the day that she's talking about someone.
0: Sport is a gender neutral name as far as I'm concerned. And it's not a name as far as I'm (laughs) (laughs) concerned. I was like, give this child a name. Don't call him Sport. He mentions, oh my God, Sarah, I rolled my eyes so hard. Because like, okay, shout out to whoever this child actor is. I'm sure he's a great and wonderful, talented person. But something deep inside me really wanted this character to be like, asian or pacific islander or hispanic or literally anything else other than a white boy because and like tell me if you felt the same way and maybe this is just me being brain being brainwashed by watching so many television from this era i kept waiting for them to be boyfriend girlfriend and like not that i think race would have changed that but i really just wanted more representation other than like two white kids and their black friends like i really wanted sport even to be like a gordo type from lizzie mcguire like anything other than this like you know, just like Ayla said, girl, with the Although, hair in his I eyes. will
1: say, <laughs> I will say, like, so after this film, he went on to play, um, uh, to be in Xenon. Oh, and, uh, yes. The
0: century, you, <gasps> okay, this is huge. I and
1: I, I feel like <laughs> if you were to, yeah, it, like, well, that's what I'm saying. If you were to look at him completely out of context of the film you would think oh he's just that popular cool guy but the fact that he was like a part of the misfit gang and 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 actually the one who was really poor compared to his friends like like Jeannie was like brilliant and you could tell that her parents supported her and loved her and like fostered her like curiosity for science and like harriet's parents were absolutely horrible but they were rich and she had Golly. but like sport just had his dad and his dad was clearly struggling and clearly not properly parenting him. He had zero parent in his life. Like Harriet had goalie. He and that's had a no one. Tough
0: role to play and the, as a kid. That,
1: and the fact that he was white, I felt like even made it stronger because he wasn't just like, you yeah. know, and I'm gonna be a little crass here, he wasn't just like a poor Mexican kid, right? Like he was he was what you would think is like the popular rich white boy but totally juxtaposed with his actual role. And I thought that was amazing.
0: Sarah, I take everything back because I'm (laughs) looking at this man's Wikipedia. First of all, you're so handsome now. How dare you? I know. Um, I know. Shout out to Gregory Smith. Ty's dad is also named Gregory Smith. (laughs) And I had paused this movie and Ty was like, my dad was in this film and he plays a sport. And I was like, I don't have time to talk about this with you. Um, Oh my gosh, this okay, I take everything back. I had such a crush on this guy. Um, I remember him. Yes. He was in Everwood also. Okay, yes. Shout out to Gregory Smith. I mean, when you. he was in Zion, okay, I, I was
1: just like heartbroken.
0: Oh, handsome, handsome man. But I was gonna drag him for one thing. And it's not his fault, it's the writing. I rolled my eyes so hard when it's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And then that and then she's like <laughs> the girl's like, I wanna like make stem cells and then like harry it's like i want to write everything in the world he's like i want to play sports and i was like sport come on man
1: (laughs) okay but but i'm gonna go on another rant here because i wrote the same thing he was like i literally wrote down and and he was like i want to play sports so i can make money and i was just like really dude like that's all you want but then i had when i first watched that scene exactly because when i first watched that scene, i was like wow you're so shallow like way to go like how are you even friends with these amazing women but then when he's sitting there with harriet and he's like you know i cook i clean i do the dishes i do the books like i do everything we're just hoping my dad can get a job and blah blah, blah. and i was just like well no wonder like a thousand percent me too i don't know like I feel like they just did such a good job juxtaposing things from the beginning of the film with assumptions that you would have as a viewer with what happens later in the film. And you're just
0: like, oh that's very God, true. I, love this. I take everything back. I had such a crush on Gregory Smith, which is weird to say, cause that's my boyfriend's dad's name, but Hey, shout out to Gregory Smith. Gregory Smith is also very handsome. He looks like Bradley Cooper. I call him Dadley Cooper. We'll, we'll have to have him on the star is born episode. Um, okay. I also wrote down, Because this is the scene, of course, where they are in the recycling junkyard. That was really freaking cool. I remember as a kid being like, what is this? Recycling was huge. Oh, my gosh. I remember just, like, so many art gardens in this time period. Just uh, the peak of art gardens. And I couldn't stop staring at Rosie O'Donnell's hair because it is one, like, entity. Like, it's like a Tracy Turnblad-esque wig like it's it's a solid it's not multiple hairs it's one hair that is a bang and a helmet and it's beautiful and i love it and i want to know the hairspray budget for this film it was a beautiful quaff. <laughs> shout out
1: to but rosie O'Donnell's hair is like always amazing i feel like icon. she's always just got this yeah
0: i yeah. i'm starting to realize that without even knowing it like I've recently gone down a Rosie O'Donnell rabbit hole, even before we watched this film. And I realized, Sarah, that I want i want her job. Like, her talk show thing, like, that's, that's what I love. I, like, when I think as a kid, when I was, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? I was, like, I just want to, like, talk to really interesting people. Like, you don't see – there are no – oh, my God, Sarah. Other than Wendy Williams and Tyra Banks, there's really not a lot of, like – Solo female interviewers Like there's the Conan O'Brien's The Jay Leno's Or at least Like it's viewed almost like A side thing Like the WNBA Like Rosie O'Donnell And Ellen Are like two of the only people Who have had talk shows That can hold their own In front of literally anyone And have a conversation And I think that speaks So much This has become a Rosie O'Donnell fan show. We love Rosie O'Donnell
1: 100% Lily Singh has recently Started one She's a YouTuber And then Um She has started, it's a comedy talk show. And I think it's still, I mean, it like had, it was like just starting right when, when the old panorama hit. Um, Same with Kelly Clarkson. So I haven't. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Um, But but Lily Singh does these amazing skits on YouTube where she is, she plays her and her mom and her dad and she's Indian. And so it's just like hilarious because she plays all three characters just like perfectly. And it's,
0: funny isn't but that anyways. interesting that like when you think of women who have solo shows um they're usually comedy writers or performers people like chelsea lately people like rosie o'donnell ellen like none of these women i mean you must have a very like bold strong personality and be like very abrasive and be able to ask the hard questions and i think that's so interesting that like the only women that we see in pop culture who have their own solo host shows have to be brassy and broad enough to like, you know, to even be able to make an, I mean, think about Ricky Lake, like up against the, the Jerry Springers and the Maris of the world, right? Like there's not a lot of them. And I feel like part of that's because you
1: have to have enough confidence to like think on your feet. So, you know, we do live streams, which isn't the same, but I think I think there's still an element that's similar where it's, you know, yes, you know what you're talking about. Yes. You know, you can be prepped ahead of time, but really you have to be able to just react to what's happening in the moment based on the audience or based on your guest or whatever's happening. And, and, and you, you have to have the trust in everyone around you that you can do that. And I think that that requires a, a certain amount of confidence.
0: Remember when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler used to host Weekend Update? Remember how like wonderful and like just as a woman seeing funny women represented on tv like that was huge and i think when it's so cool to see just like where all these women like they've all gone on to do amazing things although i will say on the topic of golly that taking a child to a greta garbo film is literal child abuse like i if i was harriet's age and was taken to a greta garbo Um... i'd be so bored (laughs)
1: Are you kidding? I, that, this, and Annie, like, I want to know when, like, where are they
0: getting to watch these, like, old films? And I like, feel like I just, like, I'm, I. And she's so entranced by the whole thing. And I'm just like, girl, I know. Like, no child wants to willingly sit down and watch a 1940s era. To be fair. Firelight musical.
1: <laughs> I mean, yes, but I. Well, I guess maybe not. Like, you have not seen Amadeus yet, right? I
0: have not. I have not.
1: So, I mean, Amadeus is definitely not... I mean, it's like... It's an interesting film. We will talk about it on this on this pod. Um, but it was like... I feel like... It's like a... Okay, it's classified as a biography, drama, and history. I pretty much thought it was a comedy though and it was one of it was it's from 1984 and it was literally one of my favorite films i mean it's rated r don't ask me how i was able to watch this it's two two hours and 40 minutes long visually it it has a place in my brain i don't think i've seen it though but like it's two hours and 40 minutes long and it was one of my favorite films ever like i feel like i feel like i get it
0: (laughs) sure i mean also like if there was any question that this man or this woman were both gay and using each other as covers. (laughs) This Greta Garbo film choice was like high among the facts that led me there. Um, Also cell phones, man, we could have avoided this whole golly situation if they just had freaking cell phones because they thought that their child was missing. I know. Which must've been so scary as an adult during that time. I'm sure.
1: I mean, yes and no. Like if I came home and my nanny and like, 10-year-old child weren't there, I'd be like, oh, she's probably with my nanny. Like, and I
0: wouldn't. Leave a note. <laughs> I think I feel like 90s customary would have been, like, leave a note, like, BRB, we'll be back. You know what's
1: soon. funny is I swear, when I was watching this scene, I swore that there was a part where she was like, oh, I, oh, like, the mom walks back in and is like, oh, shoot, like, here's the note. Um, but oh. that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we learned anything from Arrested Development, always leave a note you have to leave a note or bring your phone but didn't have phones yeah
1: it's true so okay I loved this scene as an adult now because this is now we're at the part where Gully essentially is fired right so like like the mom is like Harriet is not your daughter and like you know you're fired or whatever and then Gully's just like bet right and I was like as a child i felt like i understood what was happening but now watching it there were three things that i felt so strongly in this one moment one was that Golly was standing up for herself yes and she was like i oh my did God. nothing wrong yes but i'm not and i'm not going to take on your emotions number two though was that she took the blame off the parents when she was talking to harriet and she was like no harriet it is time for me to move on And she did not say, like, your parents are crazy. Like, she, like, I mean, I wouldn't expect her to do that. But, like, she took the blame off her parents because she knew that when she left, like, Harriet would need to have a relationship with her parents. So she didn't, like, she didn't try to, like, make that worse. And then number three was that she was just, like, recognizing that Harriet was also growing and didn't necessarily need her. And I just, in that moment, like, thinking about, like, Ayla and thinking about, like, walking away from her at certain times, you know, like, right now she's only three, but still, like you know just thinking about needing to say number 1 like i need time for myself and that's allowed number 2 like like you need to have relationships with other people and number 3 like you don't need me for everything because you are growing like that is pure love like pure love and it like broke my heart as like someone who has this little this little child and i was just like oh my god This is what I try to embody every day.
0: (laughs) I felt like I couldn't agree more on the whole when she's like, no, I'm leaving. I was like, you never see – because we – Sarah, you and I are both women who work in business. We both work in the corporate world. I have been in these situations in my professional life where people have talked to me – in an inappropriate way, they've either yelled or like not at Microsoft many 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 moons ago at Jobs. I'm 31 years old. I I've been I've been galling these situations where I, where there's a time in my life where I would just take it and there's times that I'd be like nope I'm done I'm this is not my circus and I'm not going to deal with this anymore and I loved seeing that depicted on film. However. I am so confused by this man, this pineapple man, this date, quote unquote, Sarah, because like, I was trying to think in my brain as I was watching this, I was like, is there a way to make this work where I like care about this man at all? Because I was just like, he's just another person who's there as far as I'm concerned. I'm like, I, I I don't know. I, I had a very, like, I could see the mom out, being like, who is this potato? Like, who, why is he here? Like with my child, but like, he was a very confusing character to me.
1: (laughs) I think he was just a plot point. Like, I don't think he was meant to be, I did love the fact that he, he, again, it's the juxtaposition. Like he was the perfect juxtaposition to Harriet's dad though. Because just before this, Harriet, like Gully had said, a high pressure job is when you can't do what you want. And when you can, you don't have time. And this dude quit his job to just be a food delivery person. And he was like, I wanted to be able to do what I want. And so he was like, I had all that. Like I had a wife, like I had all this stuff. I didn't want that. Like I just wanted my life. And again, I don't think he was meant to be anything more than to juxtapose and to show Harriet that like there are other options, right? Like you don't have to do that. And even if you start down that path, you don't have to stay there.
0: I also love the idea of what you said earlier about like, these are characters through Harriet's lens and in that manner, I'm like, okay, he, she would probably think he's a goober. So we see him as a total, like, bleh. he reminds me of a character from the musical cabaret. And it's funny because he's, he, this character also holds a pineapple and sings the song about giving a gift of a pineapple. So I thought for a moment, this may have been a deep cut reference to cabaret. Um, but uh yeah it it was very the character just felt i don't know just oddly sexless to me but now that you say it i'm like maybe that was intentional because we're supposed to we don't want to see this man as sexy because this is how we're seeing it through harriet's eyes it would have been weird if he was cute or like you know yeah okay okay i'm convinced <laughs> i also wrote that clear umbrellas made a comeback and are making a comeback and i'm so glad clear umbrellas forever recently found a photo we'll have to put it on the instagram of me with a um sesame street umbrella that was clear what an era for clear umbrellas gorgeous clear umbrella wish that i had it um i think it had sunflowers on it it was beautiful (laughs) and what a heartbreaking scene like i always think of like rainy town cars i always think of um harriet the spy and the parent drop when she's driving to London and it was a heart heartbreaker. We will be right back. Hey paydays
1: Sarah, do you know what a payday is? I mean I know you just coined that term, but aren't they our Patreon subscribers?
0: Yes. These are the people that pay to listen to exclusive content on our Patreon. Because if you love the pod, you're going to love the kind of stuff we're doing on Patreon. What are we doing over there, Sarah?
1: Well, not only do you get early access to all of our episodes without ads, but you also get to hear some deep dives on some of our favorite 90 stars and what they're up to today, or like kombucha scandals. And you get to vote on which episodes we release in what orders. We get to vote on which ones we're going to record, which episodes of series we're gonna cover when we cover a certain series. It's kind of a lot of access.
0: And they get a Discord where they can talk directly with us, give us feedback on the episodes. Let's say someone has a very passionate take on newsies that they want to make sure that we address. They can reach us directly through that channel.
1: It's true. I mean, we have a Discord that's publicly available. But if you are one of our payees, you get access to our locked down secret channels that are only accessible to payees.
0: We're talking exclusive videos almost every other week. We're talking early access. We're talking all kinds of exclusive content. So if you want to join us, go to patreon.com slash salute your squirts. We start as low as $5 on there, 5 to $10, because Salute Your Squirts is brought to you by viewers like you. Uh, Eartha Kitt, girl. Eartha Kitt is in this movie. I know. And,
1: like, I'm just going to jump all the way to the end real quick, because when she's
0: using her little, like, oh butt exerciser machine. Eartha Kitt, what a dream, what a treat. She had the best performance in this film, as far as I'm concerned. It was just amazing. Down to the wigs, down to the props, down yes. to everything. Yes. Like, oh, to be stuck in Eartha Kitt's waiter, truly like what a right? dream um and she's barely in the movie it's Absolutely so sad imagine. I wish she was in it more
1: I felt the same way I felt like it was definitely just like a high profile cameo that they were lucky to get but like it was, perfect. it was perfect and like we were saying like the whole you know just much bigger than life moments um yeah. of of these of these adult characters i felt like it was just perfect
0: i felt a lot of Pee-wee's playhouse influence in this film yes specifically the exercise machine um also i think there was like a i think i'm not sure but I thought that when they went to answer the doorbell for Potato Man or <laughs> Pineapple Man, um, she was like, I'll get it, I'll get it, which I think is a reference to Wee Herman, Wee's Playhouse TV show, or at least that's what I picked up on. Um, and I just loved just the larger than lifeness of her character. I still don't know what she did or why she was in the film, but I was so glad that she was in it.
1: <laughs> also, like just talking about this scene, when she when Harriet is trying to like get into Eartha Kids Mansion, I loved that she used being a kid to like trick the adults. Cause I feel like that's such a relatable thing. She, she just starts like walking in front like with a little yo-yo to make it look like she's just like a normal little kid. And like the dude's like, oh, hey there
0: little sweetie like
1: totally dismissing her, but really she's a spy.
0: He calls her freckles, which I could relate to that. Everyone, I had such dark freckles at this age. Like, and I think that's why I loved Michelle Trachtenberg so much because she wasn't so, like, I'm trying to think of the Disney Channel or and even just, like, the Nickelodeon stars of this time, but, like, Michelle Trachtenberg was a beautiful, pretty young girl, but when she was coming up during this time, like, she was on Pete and Pete, she was, like, making all these cameos as a kid, and she was just so endearing because she was just so authentic. She was just, like, such a normal, like, she was all over Nickelodeon magazines and, like, in all these video clips. Things that we saw on Nickelodeon, but she was just so normal, and I think that's what was so lovely about this film was you think of like other girls on TV at that time. I mean, we had like the Alex Max and the Clarissa explains it all kind of characters, but for the most part, like everyone was really girly, and she was just so one of the dudes. You know, I think I became a tomboy for a little bit because of this film.
1: Yeah, I think that's why when she was in Gossip Girl, it did not sit well with me.
0: See, I have not watched any Gossip Girl, ever. I've watched all of it, many times. It is not great. (laughs) I have also never watched Buffy.
1: Oh, I watched Buffy as... I've watched both as an adult.
0: So, my frame of reference for Michelle Trachtenberg is very small. And she also was in Eurotrip. I mean, I remember her coming up, like, into more of these, like, adult roles. And she's... I followed her on Twitter today. She's got she looks like she's doing great uh and shout out to michelle trackenberg she's just like such a beam of sunshine love her
1: yeah to be clear she was amazing in gossip girl it was just that in gossip girl she played like you know like this rich preppy girl and i was just like "Mm."
0: i didn't even know she was in it
1: yeah she she became like one of the like kind of villains for a little while um or like antagonist i guess because it's not really like a villain but um I don't know, like I feel it, like, but I feel like you're totally right. Like we did have a little bit of it, but almost everyone was girly and blonde,
0: yeah. In that in this Ooh. era, and she just speaking wasn't. of girly and blonde, uh, Michelle Trachtenberg also voiced Penny on Inspector Gadget, which I love. Or no, she was in the live action movie. She's in live action, right? Yes. Um. Okay, my next note here is just the quote by the Volvo, because what child in their right mind? suggests a simulation of buying a Volvo. that's problematic i don't understand <laughs> i
1: had the same one i was like what in The
0: world joke was for the adults i'm sure like i'm just like who is this for certainly not for me at five years old in 1996 like
1: no <laughs> so so let's set the scene like this is this is the scene where they like all decide to go play in the park and they're trying to figure out which game to play so it's all of the kids from all of the like groups and they just decide to play this is before everyone finds out what's inside of her thing (laughs) yeah but then also they decide to play bumper tag what is bumper tag that's not just tag
0: I don't know. These Canadian children are so confusing to me. (laughs) And honestly, like, okay, to be fair, there is a sort of quote unquote timelessness to this film because the book was obviously written, I think, in the 60s and this came out in the 90s and they wanted it to be kind of like timeless. But there were certain, like, and I'm sure these are all, these all must be quotes from the film because they're oddly specific. Like all of the stuff about, you know, oh, the purple socks kid and like, but if, Honestly, a pinched face, that is a compliment. I want someone to tell me I have a pinched face. Like, girl, your face is looking pinched. I would be here for it. That was like the one comment that I was like, I mean, cool. Like, but the the reactions like from all the kids were just like, she says that you should just get kicked in the face. And I was like, What? Like, oh my god. It's like, Harriet's rude. All of this is really rude. Honestly, all I could think of for all of this moment was and the moment where like that comes in later with posting pictures of sports and the in the maid outfit was Harriet was the original regina george like this is a burn book and you are writing shit about people you are not writing what's around you you're just being rude and you have you got caught and your burn book got released to the public and you are a bad person
1: but dude she literally said that the guy with the boy with the purple
0: sock should Should kill himself? Yes! I... This is so problematic on so many levels. I'm just like... I don't like you either, Harriet. You... Like, you're just being mean. For the sake of being mean. I I would have disliked her too. I remember being in 6th grade. Which, you know, is peak of, like, drama in elementary school. And we were going to put on a show for the talent show. And... I had to show up a little bit later. And it was, I was in this group for the talent show. I was writing, oh my God, Sarah, this says so much about me now. I was writing a parody of Survivor for all of my friends to act out. And it was like a comedy Survivor thing. And I, being the director I am, got all my friends together, you know, wrote a role for myself, all my friends. And when I showed up, there was this note written in my friend's handwriting that said like, "Uh, quit, cut Chloe from group, eventually quit. And I like, vividly remember just like very Harriet the spy dramatic like crying back to my mom and be like I want to go back home I don't want to be here so like kids can be nasty but no on no in no way were kids (laughs) I hope not I hope people weren't getting Sanrio notebooks and telling other children to kill themselves in a burn book (laughs) like no thank you (laughs) like there were certain parts of this that I was like okay I could see kids doing this but then there were other parts where I was like in no way was I getting slapped in the face. <laughs> like there are certain moments where I was like, this hasn't been in the book or written by an adult because never have I seen another child straight up slap another child after having paint thrown on them. And then of course there's all these kind of uh, interesting nods. Like when we get to sort of the the Harriet versus everyone else part of the story where like, putting okay first of all how did they get her underwear but they're like putting her underwear out on like the flagpole and also how did they know it was her underwear i have a lot of questions about that but they were all being really nasty i wrote down like literally my note is oak in all caps okay no wonder everyone hates her those could have been stem cells you are defacing school property like at this point of the film i was so upset at harriet i was like you guys are being awful to each other and y'all need to just stop okay (laughs) like same
1: the the scene where they they have the note that says harriet stinks and she like goes into the bathroom and tries to like wipe her armpits was like it hit home for me because the year it was like sixth grade was just like a year but like that summer i went to this like day camp where we it was like summer school but for like smart kids and so we got to do like fun stuff so i took like a singing class and i'm a horrible singer um but i just remember it was summer in san diego And every uh, one of the other girls had shaved their legs except me. And I was so embarrassed all summer for having just like dark Latina hairy legs and like seeing all these like beautiful white girls with their like perfectly shaven legs. And I also couldn't sing. And so that was just a summer of like no self-confidence at
0: all. I have, like, visceral memories of, like, middle school, like, 7th and 8th grade. I sweated so much there. I had to get, like, like prescription brand deodorant because I was just, like, going through puberty and it was wild and my skin was terrible and, like, it was just embarrassing to exist during middle school. Like, I can't even – like, I think about just how nasty people were that I overheard and I don't even want to think about, like <laughs> – what was being said about me but these these poor children I like okay first of all I think a supporting character in this film is the bathroom of this school because I viscerally remember asking my mom I was like stop this VHS explain to me what's going on with this paper towel because it's like one of those fabric rolls on the thing and I was like explain this to me how does it dry That doesn't make any sense why is that there that doesn't seem sanitary also like people are washing their hands from the bathroom also this sink not seen anything is this like a new york thing because i have not seen a sink like this except in harry potter (laughs) what is this thing same
1: no i felt the same way and honestly though i remember the first time i ever went to a bathroom a public bathroom that has um a, a seat cover that literally it's the same thing as that paper towel rule so like what? it's a plastic seat oh cover, yes and yes then when you flush it like comes in and it sanitizes and brings out a new one yes. but it's not a new one it's just sanitizing it over and over again no, <laughs> no. and the first what? the first time I ever saw that I was like I was like oh my god this is oh wait it's just like an area of
0: oh my god wait so this is just like this whole time I've been lied to yeah because where's the garbage from that going is the same yeah. You just no, changed my life. I'm never, I'm never using a restroom again. I know. Um, I could never. I, I still put paper on it because I couldn't. I couldn't. Honestly, like, Harriet is the original Regina George, though. And also, how dare she outsport as a drag queen. I did not like that at all. That was very rude. And I was like, I don't think I ever got back on a Team Harriet. Like, I left that boat early in the film, and I was like, you need to get your act together, Missy. Like... <laughs>
1: So this is where I get frustrated because, you know, at some point she gets so low that Gulley comes back to kind of give her a pep talk. And she's like, how do you know when to tell the truth? Cause I'm just telling the truth. And I'm like, no, you aren't just telling the truth. Like you are telling your perception given limited information. But besides that Gulley says um, you need to apologize. And then you need to lie because the truth isn't just like, the truth like sometimes it's important to lie and I was like you know I don't think it's really that like that was the only time with Gully that I was like
0: "Mm." I really hated that advice Mm. and it really kind of soured Gully for me because at the beginning of the film she's like be unapologetically you and I can't wait to read your memoirs and your book and like you're such a fascinating child and now she's like actually kind of mask what you're feeling and like try to fit in (laughs)
1: Both are wrong in the sense that, yes, be un- unapologetically you, but what you see is only your perception. And that like this is what I wrote down. It's like it's about empathy and understanding, and then it's about ways in which you're like communicating. And it's like, if, yes, yeah, sometimes it's not important to tell like the truth. if if you're going to someone's house for dinner and they just are making you dinner, and you don't like it, just be like, "Thanks." If they are a chef who's preparing like a new dish, then yeah, you should be brutally honest, or like, just be honest with your feedback because it's important, right? So yeah, you need to like evaluate what you want to get out of that situation. And no, you shouldn't lie, but like, don't stop at saying that like, you know, like Janie is a is a you know will never amount to anything because she's just you know fake scientist or whatever it was she said. I can't even remember, but like you know, like, understand where where Janie's coming from and, like, or Jeannie, sorry, what she's trying to do. And, like, I don't know. I just – she was just so unempathetic. And I feel like in the mid-'90s, empathy wasn't even a word.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, think of that, like, whole – because wasn't this around the same time as, like, Daria and all of these sort of, like, very kind of April from Parks and Rec type, like, not goth, but just, like, disassociated Cassie David types that were just, like, hmm. I don't really want to. I have anxiety. (laughs) But I. I did think it was. A strange. Like. The movie isn't perfect. Obviously. But like to end it on all. The kids voting. For her. To be the editor. I was like first of all. Come through another woman. Looking at another woman and going like. You've got too much work on your plate. Let me help you. I'm all here for that. I'm like. That's great that you're helping. And it. And obviously you have emotionally scarred this young child by making her face the fact that her father has run away with his secretary. But beyond that, like, I was like, come through taking work off another woman's plate. But why did all the kids vote for her? Okay, I can understand the other
1: kids showing empathy and being like, yes, Harriet's a total asshole, but she does write a lot. And so that might be good for a writing like editor position. But the fact that the guy, the the boy with the purple socks was the one who was like, the first time he ever spoke was in defense of Harriet. I was like, hell no. Like, she straight up told you to like, no, unalive yourself. Like,
0: no. Like, <laughs> this is you're abuser not- behavior, sir. Please not okay. yourself from the situation i agree i did however i thought about it a little bit afterwards after having some time from it and i was like okay while i think it's strange that he's the one who said it i did like what he said which was i want to hear what harriet's writing because everyone's like what the what's in the book what's, what are you writing in there and maybe it's just like girl if you're gonna write about us write about in the freaking open if you're gonna be a gossip call gossip columnist and just be like this man's stealing fruit okay cite your sources first of all because he was giving fruit to young poor children how dare you and I
1: do feel like that that like you know earlier when her parents were like mad at her and they were like you have to stop writing and I was like no like like it is exactly that, right? Like I feel like the boy with the purple socks did exactly what her parents should have done, which is if you're going to do it, put it to good use. Right. And that doesn't, and I want to like, be clear. That doesn't mean that everything you have to do has to be productive. Right. But if it's causing problems, find a way to make it a positive versus neutral or negative is harriet right? the like, spy
0: an origin story for perez hilton like is that what we think harriet <laughs> did after this she's just like a gossip columnist like a blogger like that's what i like to envision for her <laughs> just like talking <gasps> oh really bad things about like... <laughs> i want
1: to see harriet like 12 years ago having one of the first youtube channels <laughs> like...
0: yeah you're never gonna believe that i just saw a man ran into some chickens after he stole a wallet from an old lady and I wrote it all down like okay cool oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> but that's what I meant like right at the beginning of this of this episode you know I was talking about how she was like the original influencer she was like, like, how many times have Gammy has Gabby Hanna like gotten in trouble for just like saying bs stuff right or like, even I just...
0: like Sloan who we mentioned earlier who we follow is constantly putting out apology videos it's like yeah this is This, Harriet would have, that's also an interesting thing I noticed is there's no computers that I saw in this, maybe a register, but even then it was like an analog register. So gosh, they just think, just think if, even if this had come out in the AOL instant messenger era, like Harriet would have had some really moody away messages, I'm sure. And just like a live journal. if this came out...
1: (laughs) In that era, she would have one hundred percent been a programmer.
0: Oh yeah, yeah like
1: yeah. hacking into people's stuff and like stealing people's passwords and like
0: I love that 100%. as a reboot. Like Harriet right? the relationships by <laughs> like <laughs> Harriet the hacker. Harriet the. Hacker. There we go. Alliteration. Um. Also, I wrote my final note that I have here is dancing as food was huge. Hey Arnold, yes. because all I could think yes. of was I think it's the first or second episode of Hey Arnold where they dress up as fruits and they're riding the subway and in and New strawberry. York. And it was a very similar song. That song forever etched in my brain. I do remember as a child being happy that the movie ended on that because I do think it gets a little deep towards the end for a child. It's like, okay, this is a lot. So ending on that high note of like, there's just something. You've, you've, I assume, have read and watched To Kill a Mockingbird. There's just something so hilariously wonderful about a child dressed up as a ham bone ham, like a bone in ham, just like rocking out to some like jams. Um, and I, when we decided to do this movie, the only like vivid visuals that I had remaining in my memory of this film were composition notebooks and dancing fruit. And in my mind, I was like, did I combine this with Hey Arnold? But no. It was just like a very prominent thing, I guess. I never dressed up as a fruit, did you?
1: (laughs) I dressed up as a – hang on. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. It was something equally ridiculous. Okay, my sister dressed up as a pizza – because there's this song so we went to a spanish-speaking school and there's this song that goes soy una pizza soy una pizza con pepperoni and you basically like list all of the like ingredients on a pizza and so each of the kids dressed up as an ingredient and the like the whole song is just about how like you were like you were a pizza and then you got put in the box and then the delivery guy was like gonna take you to the house and then like Like, you fell out of the pizza and you were, like, so sad because now you're just on the ground. Anyways, it's an amazing song. I love those. Um,
0: (laughs) I had a pizza song, too. It was, like, they taught it in uh, first grade. It was, like, was made of dough and tomato sauce and lots and lots of cheese. It was, like,
1: it's a pizza.
0: It's a pizza. I was, like, this is Italian music, okay? I'm learning (laughs) about Italy. Okay. Okay, Do
1: you want to hear my last note? Yes. Okay. So, the the film ends – on a stink bomb right like genie has has created that so um i'm finally coming clean after 20 plus years um in like eighth grade we had this horrible teacher who was in retrospect kind of creepy because i all i remember about him was He was this small Italian man who used to be a bodybuilder. And I know that because I saw his bodybuilder pictures, like the whole class did.
0: Wait, what grade was this? Like
1: seventh grade.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Okay, bodybuilder pictures of a dude is like, you know, a Speedo and nothing else. So anyways, he was like a weird dude, but he could not handle the class. And so literally half of the class got sent out. To go sit outside because they were quote unquote being disruptive. So I went to go to the bathroom and as I was coming back in, the people who were sitting outside was like, Sarah, put the stink bomb in the room when you go back in. And you have to know, like, I was a good kid. Like I was yeah, I'm like, my trouble. jaw is
0: to the floor. I'm like, ma'am. So
1: first <laughs> of all, the fact that I brought it in as I was walking in—not the greatest idea—but also Wait, kept me. Was this a
0: homemade one or like a pre-purchased? No, one? like a pre-purchased
1: one. Okay. okay. Where they're like oh. these little, like these little, like foil bags that you yes. squeeze.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, and
1: so I basically just kind of like walked in and threw it in the bat in the trash can as I was walking in, and then just sat down and then slowly it started filling up the room and then everyone and they were like you know we were in like eighth grade it had to be eighth grade so they were like we're gonna cancel your 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 like so okay we had these multicultural dances where every single grade did a dance from a different culture anyway so they were gonna cancel our multicultural dance and they were gonna cancel like all this stuff and They could never cancel anything because no one ever admitted it. And even though pretty much everyone knew it was me, one person tried to say that it was me because they were scared that everything was going to get canceled. And the teachers were like, "You're an idiot. Sarah would never (laughs) do that. She is an angel
0: on this earth." What are you and I was just like, "Me?
1: How dare you?" Cassidy never, never caught. That's and I wild. literally used my like dumbness and I was just like, why would I put a stink bomb in a room that I was walking into? That is
0: stupid. <laughs> oh my God. I love this for you. And I love that like no one snitched except for one person. Like, yeah. And they that. didn't
1: even, they weren't even believed. Like, everyone literally, uh, like during lunch, people would come to me and be like, we're not going to say anything. I'd be like, sticks.
0: <Six." laughs> oh my gosh. I, I remember those stink bombs. They were like in the little silver packets. I remember the boys always had them like, yes. Oh my gosh. That's wow. What a honestly like way to take one for the team way to take one on behalf.
1: Well, I was the least likely to get caught. And like, honestly, even if I was caught, like, what were they going to do? Like I had never been in trouble in like nine years that I went to that school. Like, Seriously. Oh, I would have thought
0: I was going to jail. I was, like, such a good kid. I was, like, I'm going to go was, to
1: jail. <laughs> I was scared, but I knew that this man was not okay. Like, because, let's be clear, so my my elementary, or my, like, middle school, it was only 20 kids in the graduating class, and it was about half Black and half Mexican, and all of the kids who got sent out were Black. And I was just, like, this is not right. Like, I've, I've been these are my best friends that I have grown up with since kindergarten. They are not bad people. You are the only person who is new in this whole school. They're not the problem. You clearly are. Right. And like, I knew that this wasn't okay. So like, while I was scared that I would get in trouble, I also knew that this was like not okay. And it was like my small way of like helping the rebellion of like telling this dude, like you are not okay. Oh my
0: gosh. You're literally like, you're like the Trojan horse for the stink bomb. Like, no one expected it. Like, I love this. I love... This is... These are the childhood stories that we need portrayed on film. This is, like, the real deal.
1: <laughs> but that was kind of what this was, right? Like, genie, like, the brilliant mind that she is and she just like was like let's have some fun with this yeah like, i loved it
0: i am legitimately I, I get very upset in films when like someone interrupts a science experiment and it's like not even an a plot b plot thing and i'm just like that could have been like a stem cell or a dinosaur egg or like whatever famously and i'm sure we'll cover this movie on the show in the movie life size with Lindsay lohan i was so viscerally angry this man's girlfriend for brushing because the experiment worked and it was like her mother would have come to life and instead this Barbie came to life I very much feel that way about this film where I'm like this poor young prodigy making stem cells in her easy bake oven like Harriet honestly should be in jail (laughs) She like Harriet is not a good person and I I honestly love that that is our takeaway from this film that like I truly remember not loving Harriet like empathizing with her as a kid but as an adult I'm just kind of like girl get your life together I remember you have a therapist work it out with her right (laughs) I,
1: I remember wanting all of her gadgets but I remember not liking her like I remember much more like I identified much more with almost every other character especially a uh, uh, sport and genie like i remember being like those i want to be harriet because i think she's not a great friend and i want to be their friend <laughs> like not because i want to be her
0: i identified the most with ertha kitt's character because i just want to be a rich old lady with fabulous wigs and a cute dog and a dumb waiter Th- i think this was also my introduction to dumb waiters in this film like there were a lot of questions i had to my mother about like tell me about this dumb waiter. Very East Coast, very East Coast. Soul. To be clear,
1: in my notes I wrote laundry shoe and then realized that's not what it was and had to look it up. So same I
0: also feel like. The Muppet Babies maybe went in a dumb waiter once. And this was just like a common pop culture term happening at this time that I was like, yes. I'm not familiar. I don't understand any of this. <laughs> same,
1: same. And let's be clear the character that I identify with most now is Dude.
0: I feel like I'm putting Eartha Kitt's character on a list, a short list of people that I want to cosplay. Like I just like think that's such an under I can't believe I didn't know Eartha Kit was in this film. Like there's so can you many- be
1: Eartha Kit and I'll be cat dude and then we can just like do a photo Just a birdhouse
0: and just uh she was giving me I'll ten- be
1: delivering a
0: birdhouse to your <laughs> yeah. mansion. I'll have my dog like just hanging out. Uh okay well this has been our first episode. We've never done one before. So amazing How should we end it? Should we just end it with um, final thoughts? Any final thoughts about our first child detective movie, Harriet the Spy, featuring probably, like, the most famous child detective that I can think of? Um, My final thoughts are just
1: that if you want to be anything when you grow up, you need to start with
0: being a spy. um, And don't be an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, first of all, I would love if every child had access to a therapist and psychologist. That would be really great. I got very jealous watching this film and thinking about what that could have done for my mental health today. Um, So I just want to stand on that platform for a second. (laughs) Um, Also, I'm just, like, leaving this – reminiscing on this film just really with the newfound love for rosie o'donnell truly like i kind of want to dive into her catalog now and like watch some of the stuff she was doing like film wise around this time oh my goodness okay well i guess you know what sarah i think i'm gonna download tiktok today (laughs) i think it's time I'm gonna find her. i'm I think it's time for a coosh comeback, if you will, um of Rosie O'Donnell in my in my um awareness. But yeah, i it was really interesting watching this back because I remembered more of it than I thought, but i i I hate to say it, Sarah, but I feel like I need a composition notebook now. Like,
1: <laughs> okay in preparation it was not a composition notebook but i kind of just I, in preparation i bought a new notebook okay and this is gonna be my notebook for our for our stuff but this is what i this is my notes from this episode like i just i was like you know what if i'm gonna be starting this journey i need to have you know a what i
0: might do maybe before our next recording or at least before we get the gram up and running, which y'all, we will link to the gram in the show notes, of course. Um, I think I need to replicate the Harriet the Spy notebook and just write private on the front. And that's where I'm going to keep the notes for this show. But also, that means I have to I buy think another that's notebook. Brilliant. So we'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I'd let you borrow one of mine, but I have one page written. In me, so <laughs> clearly, they are very important and I cannot. Bear to part with
0: them. Also on the gram, I will be sharing uh images from my childhood. So I only wrote like one to two journal entries per journal as a four and five-year-old. I will be posting, releasing the drafts, if you will. Um I talk some mad shit about playing tag at recess. So definitely keep an eye out for that on the gram. But uh until next time, this has been the show that we'll make an outro for at a later date with sound and music. (laughs) TBD. Salute Your Sports is not endorsed by the companies featured in this episode or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.
1: All names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders.
0: Mix and Master by Dr. G.
1: Our theme song is
0: Keep Me Entertained by Maddie McGuire. Salute Your Sports is recorded in front of a live house plant and in a shed and is not produced in Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida.